Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Coming up, we're going to talk some boxing shortly, but I'm just going to read a few of these messages on the Temper Bid Post text machine. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. The whole current setup. Is a bit like a bizarre love triangle. Scott Robinson's right-hand man is now in Razor's key, is Razor's key competitor, i.e. in Ian Foster's camp. How does that work? How much does Jay share about what's happening in the All Blacks when he meets Razor for a pint? Just a thought. Cheers, Tim the teacher. Um, very interesting thought there, <laughs> Tim. They are very good mates, and still to this day, they are still good mates, and, and they've been together for a hell of a long time. They've, they've achieved so much over the years, um, but I, I'd, I'd hope professionalism would steer its course and hold its course in this situation. He is coaching the All Blacks. He's come out and stayed there. He's on the All Blacks ticket, and that's what he's doing at the moment, and on that ticket has been led by Ian Foster. So I would hope so, and knowing Jason, the professional the the trusting bloke that he is, I just I just only can I say that oh, I'm sure he'll be keeping it professional in this current situation, Tim. Uh, but hey, you never know. I could be wrong. But uh, I think yeah, great message. Yeah, there's another one here from yesterday. Actually, Kempi, we can have a week dabble into this because we didn't really talk about it. Um, the NRL must mm. be up there as the worst competition in the world for allowing illegal activity. Mm. Ponga will get a slap with a wet bus ticket and an inconsequential fine. Look at Munster. Last year he was on the verge of being sacked over the white powder scandal. Now he's looking at signing the richest deal in NRL history at $1.5 million a season. Rugby league has an optics issue being a sport popular with the lowest social economic population. These people are vulnerable and need good role models. Yeah, well, and they are role models, and and don't you know don't think otherwise. So you know, setting bad examples across the board, the NRL must be doing, you know, their heads in at the moment, having kittens. I know that they sent the uh, the drug testers up to Newcastle yesterday to to test the test the two players um, concerned mm-hmm. to make sure that they can rule that out or rule it in. But yeah, like I, I totally agree with the slap on the wrist um, behaviour mm-hmm. in, in, in a lot of instances where you're probably got the 
biggest professional competition in Australasia. Would you say that, the NRL? Over 26 yeah. weeks, over a length of time, it's the biggest competition in Australasia, and yet they just continually come up with the same stuff uh, year in, year out. I was talking um, to my partner last night about it. Just, you know, we'd love to, you know, what would you do? How would you fix it? All this sort of stuff. And, you know, we, we got right down drilling down to um, parts of your salary being put aside into like a KiwiSaver type account mm. that went back into psychologists tapping into into their mental skill um, um skills that left players with tools that they could use when they get into situations and decision making especially so you would invest in a in a kiwi saver type account which you accessed all of these areas of um, mental skills physical skills all the all the stuff associated with being a professional athlete obviously on this occasion is he they just made a bad decision mm. you know mm. And, and when alcohol and drugs are involved, you're going to make bad decisions, especially if you're an athlete. What, what were they thinking? Of, were they thinking there's no cameras anywhere? <laughs> You'd hope so in the toilet. <laughs> you carry a TV. You, know, you carry a TV around with you 24 seven. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, it's just crazy it, it's crazy. To, it's crazy today to think what they you what they even, do. Yeah, you can't even think. You know, just understand what they're doing. But uh, what? Okay, I know, Louis. What, what, well, uh, well, I was just Kimpy, like you're saying, the Kiwi Saver. I, I like, I like that model of let's put money aside to um, make sure that these players can be looked after. But the NRL's a profitable beast. Like, where are they in this? Like, this is these are their response players are their responsibility at the end of the day. This is their product. Well, that's that's what I mean. So where we got to with the conversation was that you said right. You know, not just the not just the NRL, but you're talking player managers and players. So you've got a, anyone that's making a profit should be pay, paying to this. So the NRL pay into it, the player agent pays into it, the player plays into it, and it accesses all this um, health and well-being around the player. And I just think it's something they they seriously need to look at in professional sport. You know, if you've got if you've got a model like the NRL and you're continually, you know, putting out bushfires, then fix it. Stop band putting a band-aid on it. Mm, it'll be interesting. We'll come back to this conversation, lads. I think. Um, but it's just where, uh, look, do they uh, quickly, Kempi? Do they just do urine tests or, or hair testing in NRL? Oh, mate, back in my day, it was just urine tested. Um, I, I'd got no idea how they do it these days. So in the rugby, it's it's hair testing, and it's in your hair for over a hundred days, so you can't get away with it. So maybe that's where they go. If they're only doing urine, it's their own problem. They've got to bring in the hair test, and then that'll that'll stop the players from doing it. Anyway. Let's talk to boxing. One-two punch, uppercut. Here we go. It's one of the most anticipated rematches in boxing right now. The man who claims he's a born winner, Anthony Joshua, looking for redemption after being demoralized by Ukrainian Alexander Usyk. The fight has a huge amount riding on it with both men. With Tyson Fury defiant in his retirement, best heavyweight in the division could be up for grabs. Christopher Walker lives and breathes his stuff with his own. And he back. He's back on the show, and we're lucky to have him. Walks. How you doing, mate? How's it going, guys? You okay? Good morning. Good morning, mate. Appreciate you coming on the show and shedding some light of what's fireworks we're expecting this weekend, mate. Rematch two. The hype is real. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm really excited for the fight. I've been excited since the fight got announced. I think. The first fight delivered with a, a result that not really a lot of people expected. The second mm. fight, I don't think it's... 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bang bang. You, yeah. uh, uppercut, your uppercut rattled the phone line. I knocked there. him out. The, yeah, I knocked you, him you, out. Sorry. <laughs> your uppercut rattled the phone line. We'll see if we can get Walks back there. Um, the first fight, where he was going, though, not necessarily many people expected it. But, you know, by the end of it, where Usyk in, the, say, the 10th, 11th, 12th Convincing. rounds, he was absolutely pummeling him. And they actually reckon that his corner told him not to knock him out. Like... Hey? Yeah, they reckon that they reckon that they said don't because Joshua had went down, he got back up, and it looked like Usyk just kind of in the last stages just kind of took the foot off the throttle a wee bit, like hey, let's keep him alive for a rematch, you know? You know how you can watch those um, previews, you know they do them so well, don't they? The Americans they talk over the top of the fight and they take you back in the um, in behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff, mate. Yeah, what a what a fight they pr- produced an epic um, production on that first fight. They they do it so well. We got walks back on the line. Sorry, mate. We'll pick up where you left off, but just around the styles of these two guys, it probably makes for an interesting rematch, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that there's so much on the line. I, I think Yusuf's got to prove that the first fight wasn't a fluke. He, he's, he's capable of, of dominating Anthony Joshua again, and I think for Anthony Joshua, he, he's got to prove that he's still the man of heavyweight. He's already lost his titles once before to Andy Ruiz. He lost them to Yusuf last year. He become a three-time heavyweight champion, but the road back to being heavyweight champion is going to be a long one if he loses the fight for the second successive time to Yusuf. Mate, new coach. He's got a new trainer. He's. Is, are we expecting a new Joshua? And, and what are you expecting in his fighting style? Always knowing him to be a power puncher, you know, just try and really dominate with the reach. But are we expecting a different style of fight from Joshua? I think in his mind, he'd like to approach the fight differently. He'd like to be more aggressive. I think you might see a quicker start from him. But the problem with someone like Yusuf is that he can adapt to so many styles. He was an undisputed cruiserweight champion. He's made the jump to heavyweight so successful. There's probably not any he hasn't seen. So he'll probably be expecting a quick start from Joshua. But... It's whether Joshua can maintain that, and if that quick start doesn't bring no success early on, then it just plays into Usyk's hands. Yeah, he he didn't move too well, did he, in that first fight um, up against Usyk, and Usyk plugged him a number of times. One that one that unanimously. Do you think the body shape um, and the speed of Joshua it's going to have improved um, from the first fight? I think he'll just bank on being more aggressive. I, I think. I think there's, there's people who are, are going to be in Joshua's ear basically telling him to put it on Yusuf from the first bell. I think in that first fight, Joshua did try and maybe overthink it just a little bit by trying to prove he was just a good boxer as Yusuf. That was probably the wrong approach. But just being aggressive isn't going to be enough. He's got to be smart with it. He's, he's got to be tactical. He, he's got to fight at the right time. He's got to have burst at the right moments because... If he just goes in gung-ho and, and, and tries to get Yusuf out of there early and Yusuf takes his best shots and weathers that early storm, I don't think he's going to be able to last the 12-round pace as the fight goes on. Yeah, that last fight, um, Usyk went in with just a real aggressive mindset. He's obviously the smaller man, hasn't got as much reach as, as Joshua, and that would tend to scare most fighters and they're pretty apprehensive to get in there, otherwise they'd get boxed out. So you're expecting jo- um, Joshua... Joshua to get in there and just start using the jab, using his reach, just keeping him at distance, and then looking for the power punch. What, what do you what do you think if he's going to get the job done, Joshua? Where, what round? 
I think Joshua's got to win the fight in the first eight rounds. I, I think if he's going to go in there with a quicker approach, try and hear Yusuf, I, I don't think he can maintain that pace for 12 rounds. I, I think ever since he fought Wildmere Klitschko, I think back in 2017, I, I think there's been a more cautious approach from Joshua, but it, it's it's too cautious. He, he likes to fight at his own pace, and someone like Yusuf's not going to let him do that. I, I think if Joshua's to get this... If he's to get the victory, it needs to be by knockout and it needs to be before the end of the eighth round because if he's still in there then and he's put everything into the fight, it's going to tell in the final third and I think that's where Yusuf will come on strong. Yeah, he's super fit and we've seen that in all those matches that he's had. Um, there's talk that Frank Warren's pushing out Fury if, uh, to fight the winner. What, what's the talk up there? You think Fury is, is going to step into the ring and fight the winner of this fight? I think trying to second-guess Tyson Fury is one of the hardest roles in boxing. Uh, I, don't, I don't even think Tyson Fury knows what he's going to do next himself. I've I seen an interview with, with Eddie Ann recently, and it, it kind of made sense where Eddie was saying that because it's a big fight, Joshua Yusuf, and it doesn't involve Fury, Fury's just trying to make himself relevant and trying to take some of the, the, the spotlights away from Joshua and Yusuf who were fighting on Saturday, but... I don't know. I, th- I think if he gives up the WBC belts, I think more people might take his retirement serious. But mm. I, I think there's plenty of options there for Tyson Fury. A, a fight against the winner, even a fight against the loser. If the loser's Anthony Joshua, is going to be a big fight in Britain. He's got stuff going on with the WWE. He's, he's challenging UFC fighters all the time. Uh, even if we have seen the last of Tyson Fury in a boxing ring, I, I don't think we've seen the last of... Tyson Fury is the personality. Yeah, the entertainment factor. Tyson Fury, love it, man. He is so random as they come. And one of our very own is right on his doorstep, Joseph Parker, doing some random yeah. things. Hey, quickly, just just on um, Usyk, has has he had a full and proper preparation for this fight? Because he was over there defending his country in Ukraine. Yeah. The reality is he was fighting a war for his, for his people. So is he ready? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I've, I've spoke to people who've been in the ring with Yusuf. I've, I've spoke to people who've been around him, and the one thing they say is just how mentally strong he is. I, I don't think he'd take this fight if, if what was going on in Ukraine and the tragic events there, if what's going on there was going to affect them, there'd be no way that he'd be in this fight. I think he'd give the world titles up, and no one could really blame him if he did, because obviously the priority is probably with his homeland at the moment, but people you speak to about Alexander Yusuf, they all say the same thing. He's mentally strong. And I think if you look at what he's achieved in boxing so far, Olympic gold medalist, undisputed cruiserweight champ, he's made the transition to heavyweight and, and took three titles off Anthony Joshua. You don't do that without having a little bit something about yourself. Is he mentally strong or what, mate? Uh, yeah, any man can get in the ring. Or not any man, I can get in there, but not anyone can go and fight a war for their country like he has done. Uh, with the Klitschko brothers as well, mate. Uh, yeah, Chris, we appreciate you coming on the show. Just quickly, before we let you go, who wins? I'm going to say Yusuf. I, I, I think I think Joshua will will start quick. He, he'll be ahead of halfway, but I, I just think the effort that he's going to put into the fight, it's going to cost him later on. I expect Yusuf to take over and probably force some late stoppage around, around 11-12. Oh, there you go. You've heard it from the man himself. Go on the TAB. Bet responsibly, 11 and 12. All sick win.
coming from Christopher Walker over there in the UK. Appreciate you coming on the show, mate. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck for the for the next couple of weeks. A big couple of months for boxing over in the UK. Thanks very much, bud. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Have a good day. There's Christopher Walker talking all things boxing. He's predicting Usyk in the 11th and 12th round. That has always been Joshua's downfall, isn't it, Kempe? Just a big man, get to the latter rounds and probably just tires a wee bit, um, just wavers and, and, and just gets picked apart. Uh, yeah, and his losses anyway. Yeah, he's a good boxer, Usyk. You know, like he's got mm. good skill. They talked about him down in um, the weight below and, and then he's come up to heavyweight and he's just torn it apart, you know, with his speed and his endurance. And he's a bit cumbersome, Joshua, you know, like he's standing there and he's stepping under punches all the time. He's not moving around light on his feet. And Usyk's just picking him off left, right and centre. So that's why I asked the question around body shape and speed, you know, like footwork. He needs to move, otherwise Usyk's going to do the same and just wear him down. Three dollars seventy-five. Ola Alexander Usyk to win in round seven till twelve. Tab.co.nz. Three dollars seventy-five. You can think he stops him. That seems like a smart bet. Uh, Usyk on points or decision is two dollars seventy-five. You also think he's going to win, but won't get that knockout. I think it'll be right on the fringe. Adam says. War Usyk thinking Joshua will try to open up more than the first fight, but that just opens him up to being caught by Usyk. Usyk KO round six to seven for me, lads. So there you go, Ooh. right on that button there What's that pay? as well. Uh, six to eight. It is paying. What do we got? Alexander Usyk five to six is twelve dollars. Seven to eight is nine fifty. Three rounds. Six to eight. Oh, bear with me. Sorry. Six to eight. This is great That's radio. Right. This is great radio. About <laughs> six bucks. <laughs> Plenty of rugby chat around at the moment, but let's do something a little bit different, Kempi. Yep. Let's uh, have a look at this one, fellas. Next month, the New Zealand rugby will be holding an event to officially cap all referees who have overseen an international test match. What an awesome initiative. This project is in full swing right now, which includes tracking down all those whānau of referees who have passed away so that they can still be honoured. The group includes close to 90 refs overall and spans the entire um, mutu of New Zealand, from our very first test referee in 1899 to the current elite official. Former test referee Bryce Lawrence is one of those who will be capped. Congratulations, Bryce. He's now NZR's Head of Training and Education. Morena, Bryce. Kia boys. How are you? Oh, we're fantastic, mate. What about you this morning? How are you travelling? Going well, mate. No, no, I'm up in Auckland for a workshop for a couple of days. So, um, no, having a good week. And, yeah, as you say, plenty of rugby talk. So, all good. Yeah. Why Why has the New Zealand rugby wanted to do this? I just think it's been something that's been bubbling away for a few years, guys. And, um, you know, they capped the Black Ferns really successfully in the last couple of years. And... That was massive for those um, female players. And one of the last groups that had never really sort of like had the official recognition was referees. And it was something that a few of us thought was going to be a pretty big initiative if we could get it over the line. And most other Tier 1 countries around the world have done this previously. So when I approached Mark Robinson near the end of last year, and around the November tour, actually, um, he was really supportive and... Um, yeah, it's a bit of a game changer for refereeing to actually get get this far. So you know, it means a lot to um, 
the referee community and especially those you know older guys who um, really paved the way for everyone else. 90 referees, pretty exclusive number there, um, Bryce, mate. Uh, has, it, has it been a difficult task? Have you employed Dave Lomas from Lost and Found to, to get out there and, and help you find you know, the family members and people that have been in the park? It's not an easy job, mate. So talk about the, the, the current situation. Yeah, How are no. you doing it? <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's it. Like, so there's about 40 living refs, male and female. So we track them down really easy. And we're really fortunate that 38 out of the 40 can can come to the event. Um, some of them come back from overseas for it. So really special to, you know, like have a little bit of a reunion. Is he just like we all like to have a few beers with our mates? Yeah. Um, yes. the, the deceased families, um, we try to track them down just through obviously the connections. We've got some really great people in the um, sort like Rugby Museum doing some work. We've got... Um, Chris Jensen, who's our referee statistician and historian, who's doing some great work for us. And we're, so far, we've found six of the um, 37 families of deceased refs. And that's been really great, connecting with their um, sons or daughters or wives who are still living. So we're just trying to track that down. And, you know, you guys having me on the call today will hopefully help connect with one or two other people. And, yeah, we're getting taps done for all 86 referees. And um, it would be great if we could get as many people at the event as possible. But, uh, Bryce, look, I'm, I'm you know, getting the warm and fuzzies about this. I think it's a great initiative, you know, capping, capping the referees, the guys in the middle, I, who I, I think they, they can't have a winner or a loss, those guys, because there's always a winner and a loser. <laughs> so you you're never thought of wealth by either either teams if they lose. But um, <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking to these people, these families, especially the ones deceased, and you say, look, we're going to recognise your grandfather, your father, and so on, how have they taken the news? Oh, with a lot of pride. Um, yeah, very proud of, obviously, you know, their husbands or, or fathers or grandfathers who have been a test referee and just amazed that it's, that it's actually going to be recognised. And, I mean, you know, you guys would have obviously played for your country and it meant a lot to you and it means the same for a ref. It's a, you know, it's an absolute pinnacle that you can do. And, um, yeah, like there's some, some very, very well-known referees, Dave Miller, Graham Harrison, who passed away, whose families we've connected with. And, um, yeah, I think there'll be very proud moments when the son, daughter or wife um, can accept that cap on their behalf. Yeah, we know the importance of what yourself and, and many others have done, Bryce, and uh, we appreciate all your services. Just a quick question before you we let you go, mate. Um, refereeing at the moment, are we seeing a lot of numbers wanting to uh, participate and, and be become a ref in, in New Zealand? Where, where are we at with the, within the ranks of refereeing? Um, still reasonably positive, is he? Um, like, mm. everything's taken a bit of a hit because of COVID playing, coaching and refs, so we're no different. Um, we've got a very strong group of um, of young, promising male and female referees coming through, and we're lucky in New Zealand that we always have that. But, you know, every provincial union would need more referees or more people who want to contribute to junior secondary school or senior rugby, so I'd be lying if I said that, you know, that more weren't needed. But, you know, we do have a lot of very good ones, great servants and you know in our local provincial unions who you know referee 70 80 games of rugby a year but yeah we could definitely do with more mate because as we get older some of us uh, are less able 
Yeah, yeah, I'm and, hearing ya. Uh, yeah, don't I know that one too well? Hey, Bryce, thanks a lot for joining us this morning on SENZ. All the best, mate, with uh, the reunion. I guess you can call it, and the capping of all these referees around the around the country. All those have gone um, before us, and all the current ones as well. I think it's a great initiative, mate, and we just want to wish you the best of luck on the night. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, nice one, guys. Cheers, guys. Hey, Izzy, you won't believe this. Yeah. David Lomas is on TV three right now. <laughs> Dave, look, Kippy, he's right there. I've just, I've just looked Lovey's up. pointing at him going. David Lomas is right there. Maybe we, we should have wired him into this school to help out Bryce Lawrence and track down the rest of these families. Mate, you want to find someone, go knock on Dave's shoulder and say, mate, I need a help. I need a help to find, find some whanau, mate. He'll get the job done. Honestly, I was tongue-in-cheek little... Uh, He's right there. there. You've summoned him. <laughs> it's worked. It's worked. Mate, the TV's always listening. It's like your iPhone. When you start talking about refereeing, I'll bet you I'll go click on Google and referees will come up. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started on the product. They they are fully listening. There's 100%. no there's no oh. way they're not. Mate, Shannon's talking about, oh, you know, we need a new vacuum, how many, how vacuum tractors, cleaner. How many tractors do you think are on my phone <laughs> yeah, at the moment? Yeah, yeah. And, and I've got Dyson's <laughs> popping up here there when we needed a new vacuum cleaner. Dyson's not cheap, although very good. Like Kubota tractors, Dyson vacuum cleaners, very, very good, as as Dave Lomas is tracking people down, as it was Bryce Lawrence refereeing. We've gone completely off the railroad there. Izzy's Wizard of the Week, not far away here on SENZ. We're going to talk some rugby now. It's test week, so let's dare to believe. Like a black fern, because the women in black this weekend have another crucial stepping stone towards their home rugby World Cup with the two-match Laurie O'Reilly series kicking off down at Auto Tahi Christchurch. It's a rare occasion for the game to be held down down here. Well, I'm here. So much so in Kendra Cox's 50 years playing international rugby. <laughs> this will be only a second time running out in the Garden City, and Kendra is on the line now. Morena, Kendra. Morena, team. How are we doing? Good, thank you. Sorry for throwing that 50 years of playing, but you've been around for that long. That long. <laughs> Sorry. You've been around for that long, mate. Does it does it ever get old? What's it like being a senior talisman in the squad, mate? Are they, are they still as cheeky as they were when I was back in there? Mate, they're even more cheeky these days, that's for sure. Um, but, hey, we love it. You know what it's like. Um, yeah. I guess... You know, I guess when you're a bit older on the team, you've got a bit more influence, so you have to be a little bit better behaved in, in the environment and, and be a leader. I'm not sure if that's what you did is when, when you were playing. Um, but um, no, I absolutely love it, and that's why I keep coming back. The girls are great. Lead in your own way, Kendra. That's what I say. Lead in your own <laughs> certain way. And uh, those will follow, and those will do their own short of leadership. Hey, quickly... <laughs> I've been watching the socials. You've had a busy week. You've been in the dojo. You've been doing lots of judo, wrestling, tackling. Has it been an enjoyable week? Yeah, it's been an awesome week, eh? Like, um, both obviously our Farakama Cup going on Saturday, coming to camp on Sunday, and it's kind of strange, you know, going from, um, you know, close to friends um, and, you know, getting yeah. in the environment with the girls and, and then, yeah, going to the dojo. Um, we all love that full contact, you know, everyone loves the full contact piece. Um <laughs> And it's been really good for us. We actually started that back in April, um, leading into into games and usually into our week one of assembling, um, and then into a pretty intense training yesterday, uh, based around attack, 
Um, so, the, yeah, the week started off well and just there's a lot of excitement around, especially for the Canterbury-based girls. Um, you know, we're excited mm. to, to be playing a test game in, in Christchurch. Hey, Kendra, 60 tests, two World Cups in camp this week. What's it like? What's it like? There's enthusiasm there. Is it a bit different from last year? What's it feel like this time? Yeah, it's, it's feeling really, really good. Um, it's obviously a little bit different to last year because we've got a different different group and different setup. But it's um, no, it's feeling good. And I mean, you know, as knows what Smithy brings, and there's a lot of excitement. And you know, our coaching group, are, um, you know, their the quality, and there's just so much learning. Um, there's learning going on, and every day, you know, you're you're a student. So um, yeah, and just the girls are great. I mean, we've got a, such an awesome bunch of girls that are coming through, and. They, you know, they're, they're young and, you know, some of them are inexperienced. We don't have a lot of tests next to their name, but holy heck, some of them are stepping up um, and it's really cool to see. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting, what, next three, three, three and a half weeks. Um, you know, the World Cup squad's going to be named post this series. Um, so there's obviously a lot of competition within the group as well, which is exciting. Yeah, there'll be a lot of edge, no doubt. That is what Wayne Smith brings to an environment. Everyone pushing their cause to, to get their name read out on that special day. Hey, uh, Kench, what's been the main um, focus area for this camp in this next couple of weeks? Because you've played a couple of tests this year already. So knowing Smithy, you have certain focus areas that you really want to nail going forward to try and get your game plan, what you're trying to play, um, better for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we talk a little bit at the moment around just that, that icing on the cake. You know, obviously during pack four was our first time together and um, we had some wet, wet footy um, and I think you kind of, we kind of got a snippet of how we're trying to play. But, you know, there's, there's a piece in there and Smitty's been open about it. It's just kind of caused, I guess, chaos out there on the pitch, um, creating yeah. a blur and um, attacking, you know, attacking well. Like he's obviously got a massive attacking mindset. He's not huge on the kicking game and... Um, so that's what I think is exciting. We've got electric players eh, that can, can play this type of game plan. And, you know, he's challenged us, challenging us constantly, um, constantly to, to be better and to, to learn from our plays and to, um, I guess, also express yourself as well, um, which has been, we saw a snippet of that in pack four. And we just wanted to take it up to another level, these next two games. Um, you know, it's massive, I guess, preparation for the World Cup coming up in about 30-odd days. Um, so, yeah. Hey Kendra, what's since Smithy's been in there? What's changed in your role? You know, like you're in that key position. What has he asked you to do, and and what do you think you can, I guess, um, bring to the team under his guidance? Yeah, for me, I think it's been based a little bit around my running game. Um, I probably lost that in the probably the last two or three years, and Smithy's just come back and he's like, "We need you running." You know, like we know that when a nine runs, it creates havoc for defence around the ruck and then it tightens up and then it might be spaced out for our electric wing. So mm. for me, it's just been based around bringing my running game back and um, I'm feeling comfortable with it, like within the Farah Palmer Cup. You know, I'm absolutely loving it and enjoying it out there and um, that's been a massive focus for me. As in, well, not just me, but all nine. Um, and, you know, just being a threat. He wants everyone out there being a threat and um, that's, you know, it seems to be working really well for me at the moment in the Farah Palmer Cup, so hopefully I can bring that into Test 40 in the next couple of games. Oh, I love it. And, and speaking of Smithy not enjoying kicking, well, you've had the greatest in there uh, helping you out, DC. Seen it all over the socials. The girls are loving it. What has he brought to, to, to your trainings and, and what has he kind of helped you out with? Mate, we need to get you in. Are you feeling a bit left out? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I actually am. I actually am. I'm, I'm in Christchurch and haven't even heard from Smithy. 
I'm like, mate, <laughs> honestly, well, what do you want me to come and teach? Rucks? <laughs> Breakdown? What do you want? <laughs> Has he told some stories? Nah, surely not. <laughs> yeah, he's told some stories, all right. But um, I'll talk to him and we'll get you in on Thursday, mate. I know you're a busy man, but I'll tell him to give you a message. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be much appreciated. I'll, I'd feel loved if he did that. But DC, like, you've got to get the goat in there. No doubt Richie will be in there too, so <laughs> I've got no chance. But hey, yeah, what's, what's he been like? What's he been bringing? Oh, he's awesome. Um, you know, he's massive just around. He doesn't want to change anyone's techniques. Um, he just, mm. like, kind of watches you and just gives you a little bit of, you know, you, you open your shoulder up, close your shoulder off, follow through a bit more. Um, you know, so... I think he's just kind of, he hasn't, he hasn't done a lot in that space. It's just more around just helping slight little wee things to help um, help with our kicking game. Um, but as you said, he's a massive influence. The girls are just fully engaged. As like, um, you know, when you've got the goat coming in, um, it's, it's been pretty special for the for the group. And now we're just enjoying He's obviously very softly spoken. And, um, you know, we do, I mean, I say somebody's not massive on kicking, he is in certain aspects. Um, so yeah. it's just sharpening up those. You know, with the wingers maybe potentially be kicking a little bit more or midfield. It's just, you know, in the women's games, it's generally just based around your nines and tens kicking. Um, so we're just trying to grow that across the whole park. Um, so he's been better at supporting and helping out there. Hey, Kendra, just uh, one more question for me. Just what has the culture um, change been considering all the all the stuff that you guys went through last year and the introduction of Wayne and this new way of thinking? What Where's that gone within your group as as Wahine Tor? Um and what do you guys expect that to, to add to your to your playing uh, capabilities? Yeah, I mean I think for us like our culture's always been pretty strong in terms of with the group with the girls and um, you know, we actually had Amidia Amidia Rule, um, one of the past black friends in last night to speak to the group and you know, she, she got emotional talking about it and talked about the culture and how awesome it is. And I think everyone in the room, and the, everyone in the room just gets that feel. Um, there's something special about the, the Black Fringe jersey. And, um, you know, we, you know, it's all about playing for each other and, you know, playing for your family. And, um, and it's, it's back at that again. And everyone's feeling really good, um, good about that. And I think the main thing is about everyone being authentic within the environment. Um, you know, you've got, you want people to feel like they're at home and have a sense of belonging, and and that's what we've we've mm. created um, what we've, over the years, and just coming in with someone like Smitty and in our coaching group with Whitney Hanson, who's massive in that space, Wesley Clark, and then Ted adds his little wee um, inspirational chats in there at times too, and um, the girls are just absolutely loving it. There's just a lot of energy around, and you know, I mentioned before that you know if we can express ourselves and be authentic off the field, then it's going to show on the field. Um, so that's what's been we really hear, driven probably in the last six we, months. We hear a lot about those coaches, but we never really hear about Alan Bunting. What what influence has he <laughs> had on the, on the squad? Mate, he's been massive. Like, I know we don't probably talk enough about the guy, but holy heck, um, mm. he's, you know, with me being the leader, he's been massive for me. Um, you know, we took a lot on the last couple of years as leaders in the leadership group, and he's come in and taken a heck load of pressure off us as leaders, and he's doing a lot, and he, he chips and chimes in when he when he needs to, and, um, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge, and he, he knows how to build a culture, so he's uh, he's taken that advice, and, you know, credit to him and the work that he's been doing with the group. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. You hear a lot about Smitty, Ted, and, you know, all, all the coaches, but you just never really hear from Alan Bunting, who I'm pretty sure yeah. is, is getting, you know, paved to really take over the the role going forward, and uh, look, let's be honest, Smithy's retired about 600 times, so surely the next <laughs> one will be it for him. Trisha's had enough, I've seen her on the plane, she's had enough of it. Give up, Smithy, but hey, 
Kench, appreciate you coming on the show and shedding some light on the next couple of weeks. Good luck to the girls and um, all the best and prepare well. And then no doubt we'll hear your name read out in a couple of weeks' time, my friend. I'll probably see you for a massage. Anyway, you're probably going to turn up for a massage again at my house or what? Mate, when I can see the way that you feed your cattle, I'm not sure if, <laughs> if I want to see that again. Jesus. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kendra, 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 what? Hey, whoa, hey, spill the tea hey, here. Hey, Kendra, spill the, Kendra, spill the tea. Kendra, what are you, what are <laughs> Kendra, they are well fed. They're fat. Look at them. As long as, yeah, that's the main thing, right? As long as, you, as, long as you're feeding them, that's the main thing. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how, as long as you get it done. Old farmer, dang Kendra, Kendra, I'm going to have the SPCA over here in a minute Don't you start (laughs) Oh, farmer, dang Great to watch. I'm a dick. I'm, I'm selling them today, Kendra. I've got a guy coming over at 10 feet. I've had enough. I'm sick of those things. So they're going. Each. They're gone. <laughs> Songs I get. I don't get out anymore. You got, it's because of the fence that you've got, mate. <laughs> oh, Kendra, I don't bring you on the show to pay me out just because you come and get a massage here. Don't gold. tell everyone my dark secrets, okay? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's Man, I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, right. good to hear thank from you, Kendra. You wait till you get here next time. I'm gonna pop your tires. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> now it's time to catch up with one of our regulars, Debbie from Property Apprentice. Great timing to have you in studio today with an OCR announcement beckoning. Ah, uh, no, I timed it perfectly. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything. Nothing in radio is a surprise. Everything is well constructed. But um, is this going to affect people out there, prospectively looking at houses or people with interest rates? Yeah, it could do. So with the OCR announcement, I mean, just about everyone's expecting it to increase by 0.5 today. So, you know, what people need to remember is that the OCR tends to affect the shorter term interest rates rather than the longer term ones. At the moment, we're seeing interest rates trending downwards just about right across the board because uh, even though the OCR can affect interest rates, there's this other thing called swap rates, which also affect interest rates, and swap rates are trending down worldwide. So, yeah, so we're seeing a period where interest rates are coming down even though the OCR is increasing. So it's, it's good and bad news for people. You know, with interest rates rising... With the OCR increasing, banks' test rates for mortgages are really high, you know, up to about 8%. So that makes it hard to get lending. Prices are still coming down, so great time to be buying, but hard to get Mm. lending. Mm. For people that have already got mortgages, uh, you know, having an an increasing OCR can freak people out. So that's why I just wanted to talk about how the fact that the OCR is increasing doesn't necessarily mean that interest rates are going to rise. Uh, but, yeah, one of the things that I think people should look out for is um, yeah, we could enter a period where the short-term and the floating rates are higher than the longer-term interest rates. At the moment, the floating rate's higher than just about everything. Uh, the, all of the other fixed rates are on the way down, but we could enter a period where the you know one-year and two-year rates could be higher than the three, four and five year rates, for example. And people always make the mistake of fixing long term when that happens because they look for the cheapest rate. Mm. So, yeah. Are you, are you looking at um, all of the, the international uh, happenings with the Chinese at the moment with all those um, deals falling over, the, all those bonds not being met, and then 
how that's transitioning back to New Zealand and affecting our economy? Because there's big talk on our economy down here being quite quite strong, mm. and yet our OCR still pumping points into it. Yeah. And long term, it, actually, it looks like if that's the case, and we are getting through that sh- that strong period, is it the right time just to wait a little bit longer if you are looking at um, interest rates, that longer term rate? Uh, so, like my opinion is that with interest rates trending downwards. Uh, you want to be careful about fixing for too long because you know when interest rates are on the increase, if you break an interest rate and refix at a higher interest rate, you're not going to get charged break fees. You might just get charged a minimal, you know, a minimal refinance charge, you know, like ten bucks or whatever uh, for administration. But when interest rates are on the downturn. If you're coming off a high interest rate and refixing for a lower one, the banks will sting you with really high break fees. So, you know, this is where people make the mistake of fixing long term because long term can be the cheapest rate at this stage or or coming up to this stage. And uh, so they choose the long term rate because it's the cheapest one on offer at that particular time. We're not there yet, but I suspect it's not going to be too far away. Look, early next year, we could see the OCR coming down. Yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? If you choose a five-year rate because it looks cheapest at the time and then early next year interest rates plunge, then you're going to be like, oh, we made a mistake, let's break that cost, and it could be huge, the mm. break fees. Yeah, do your numbers. Yeah. On, you know, personally, do your numbers on that, eh, before I, what I personally think is do your numbers on that, wait till that period, I think, for a little bit longer before you make a decision on on that longer term because it does hurt. Absolutely. If you've got a longer term, people looking at three to five years, yeah, interest rates start that problem makes a massive difference. Makes a massive difference, and there's you know like um, Tony Alexander, he's you know I mean everyone knows Tony Alexander, right? So he's he's recommending at the moment that you know probably it's about right for people to start looking at just the one year fixed rate and just keep rolling that over until the long term rates come down again, which I think makes perfect sense. Hey Debbie, great to have you in the studio. I'm down here in Christchurch. You probably can't see me, but I can see you. The housing market is pretty <laughs> dire at the moment, and, and you know, if you've a rental, if you've got a couple of rentals, you're looking at it and you're thinking, man, it's pretty tough times at the moment. But for first home buyers, when are we um, hoping to see a bit of a shining light coming out of the housing market, and when are you expecting that to turn around and maybe come back? Yeah, I honestly think that the housing market could turn around a lot sooner than a lot of people think. Uh, and and look, we don't sell property at Property Apprentice, so yep. I've got no vested interest in saying that. But I do yep. think that things are going to turn. Uh, one of the reasons I think things are going to turn is because just the numbers of people that are registering for our free events, that's been increasing mm. over the last month mm. or so. So That's you know, we, yeah. we tend to get the first glimpse at what the general public's thinking. Mm. You know, yeah, so right. when people start getting interested in learning more about it. That's an indication that they're getting ready to jump into the market. Like I said, at the moment, um, getting lending's the tricky part. Yeah, banks need to they, mm. they need to soften a little bit, don't they? Yeah, and they will because banks mm. make money by lending money. But you know, as soon as bank rules start to relax a little 100%. bit, then people will jump back in the market, and then we'll get the people wishing that they'd bought sooner rather than later. I think Izzy, um, with house prices, you know, having a bit of a downturn. A bit of a downturn mm. at the moment. That's it's literally like the whole country's gone on sale, you know. And so mm. the housing market <laughs> is literally the only thing I can think of 
where people go, oh, they're having a sale on the thing that I want to buy, but I'm going to wait until house prices <laughs> pick up again, you know? And they do it every cycle. Mm. You don't, you know, mm. like if you're going to buy towels and Briscoe's has a sale on towels, you don't wait till they stop that sale before you go in and buy <laughs> so them. So true. I was, I, I was, I was so told true. a while ago that all the big... Um, housing companies, they wait till now and then they buy everything. Yeah, a they lot of them do. They just go out and buy everything, yeah, at this time. So everyone goes, no, no, hold off, hold off. And the big housing companies go, no, 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 buy, 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 buy. Yeah, and experienced investors are out there shopping at the moment. You know, it's like you got to, we call it counter-cyclical investing. You know, when everyone else is sitting on the sidelines, that's the time to get stuck in. Outstanding, Debbie. Oh, um, helping Kiwis. Need some money, Deb. Uh, oh, you're fine, mate. <laughs> Selling your cows today, that's plenty. Helping Kiwis create yeah. better retirement plans. Propertyapprentice.co.nz. Thanks so much for coming into studio. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.